This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. In John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Those are straight from the words of Jesus. In this world, you you will have trouble. Now, now that's not a phrase that we like, okay, we we get that, right? None of us are immune from that reality, right? We've all encountered trouble, uh, trials, grievances, sorrows of of various kind. The, The question we're asking today is, how do we how do we recover from that? All right, how, do we, how do we get through a, a time of suffering, a time of sorrow, a time of grief, and, and not just survive it, but, but come out the other side thriving? Because right, Jesus also said he came that we would have abundant life. Right, so you got two, two seemingly contradictory statements from the mouth of Jesus. Um, I came that you have abundant life. Oh, and in this world you will have troubles, right? So, the, the reality of troubles in this life is, is true for all of us, right? This, come on, let's have a little participation. Just something here, right? I'm like, okay, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one whose life has sucked from time to time, right? Like, okay. No, we're, we're going to have trouble. And so the question we're asking them is, what do you do? And sometimes, right, the trouble is relatively manageable, Okay, I can handle this, right? I can, I can call a mechanic or, praise God, I have an emergency savings account. I can pay the bill. But, but sometimes the trouble, and, and these days will come for all of us, the, the world is gonna give way beneath your feet, right? Sometimes you're gonna, you're gonna get a call that you weren't expecting and s- someone has died. And, and gotta pray no, but maybe it's a child, or a spouse. I mean, we just, one of my high school friends died of a heart attack uh, yesterday morning, suddenly. 42, right? You're not, you're not supposed to die of a heart attack at 42. Had a middle school daughter. S- sometimes your world is going, the, the walls of your safe, comfortable world are going to crumble. That, that day's coming for all of us. And, and so how do we, how do we continue on? How do we continue to worship when we're not so sure God is worthy of worship? Right? How do we continue to trust God when not so sure he's trustworthy? Right? What, what do we do when trouble comes? We, we not only survive it, but we thrive through the trials, through biblical lament. Biblical lament is God's gracious uh, instruction, but, but even invitation for, for you and me to openly and honestly pour our grievances out toward him. And yet still come to him and ask for help and trust and hope in his deliverance. Right? Lament, biblical lament gives us the invitation. It's God making space for us to struggle and, and to, to grieve and to hurt and to be angry and yet still come to him with that and, and, and find in him and through him healing and, and thriving. We're all going to lament. All of us. It's that, it's that expression of when life is not how it's supposed to be. 
frustration, hurt, sorrow, depression, anxiety, right? Like we're all going to, to lament. That's a necessary part of healing. Lament is, is a required part of being a human being. But the invitation from the Bible is that we can actually bring those laments to God. We can voice those frustrations to him. In fact, we can throw those at him. Because in doing so, in openly and honestly pouring out our grievances to him, we are making space for something else to come in and replace that. And if we, if we lament how the Bible instructs us, we're making space for the presence of God to come in, and that is the journey of healing. That is the journey of moving through the inevitable troubles of life, but not letting them overcome us but progressively putting them out towards God and receiving in his truth and his healing. This is the pattern we get from biblical lament. God tells us it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Throughout the Bible, God instructs us. He comforts us. It is okay to not be okay sometimes. But it's not okay to stay there. It's okay to, to wake up in, in, in the dirt. It's okay to look up in a place you never thought would come one day. That, that's, that's the reality of life. And God sees that and he knows that and he's not distant from that. He's not oblivious to it. He's, he's not, you know, off in his ivory castle. No, he's, he gets in the mess with us and he tells us, hey, it's okay, there's space here. God invites us to come to him where we are, as we are, in the mess of life. Your life is not so messy that you cannot come to God. And that's an invitation from God himself, but it is not okay for us to stay there. It is not God's design for you. It is not his will for you. And his will is not just for you to survive it, but to thrive, to have abundant life. There is hope in the presence of God and his biblical lament. Openly, honestly, pouring our hearts out to him and yet choosing to trust him still and let him heal us, let him bring us through, let him rebuild our broken stories. We will all struggle and have trouble and lament. My hope, my hope for you is that when the dark clouds come, we will lament towards God and find healing and refuge and safety in him. That we will trust that he will take us to the other side. So let's read Psalm 13. A Psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Can I just tell y'all, David makes me feel incredibly normal. Right? Dude was a mess at times. Train wreck. Whew. Thank you. 
David, for recording the dark spots of your life so that I can feel a little bit normal. How long, God? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is a song, a worship song. I'll say it again, this is a worship song of lament, of grief, of sorrow, of doubt, of questioning. Yet digging his heels in and not giving up on the faithfulness of God. The deepest season of lament came for me shortly after we started the church. Uh, into 2018, most of, if not all of 2019, uh, was the lowest point uh, of my life, right? The, the, the walls that I understood uh, of reality just kind of came crashing down. I was depressed. I was anxious. I, I, was, I was in a dark spot. I lost weight. I was a shell of myself. Like, I was just not myself at all. It was the first time in my life that I genuinely questioned God that I held up the scripture and I said, this does not add up to what I'm living right now. Where I, I remember reading Mark 5, into Mark 4 in chapter 5, where Jesus heals and performs miracle after miracle on the spot. And, and I remember saying, well, why not me? Are my prayers not enough? Why will you not come in and, and bring rest to my tormented soul? What's What's... Why not? Where, where are you? It was the first time that I, I, I questioned the trustworthiness of God. I felt duped by him. That, that we moved here to, to plan a church, right? We moved here because God said, hey, go do this. And we said, okay, yes. And then all hell breaks loose. And I remember thinking, what the hell, God? What do you, what do you want from us? Why would you, why, where are, what, what are you doing? Literally, we barely started this church, and, and now, in February of 2019, you know, what, six months later, I'm standing up in front of the church and saying, I don't know what I believe about God. It, it was the lowest point, the most confusing point, the most disorienting point of my life. And there's two words that I heard God say to me in that season. Don't quit. That was all he told me. Don't quit. Don't give up on what you've believed for so many years. Don't walk away from the foundation that you've stood on. Don't discount what you've experienced thus far. Don't quit. You're in a storm. It's so heavy you can't see through it, but keep your face pointing north. Don't quit. I will get you to the other side. That, 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 is, that is what God was, was telling me. I didn't have to figure it out. I didn't have to have the answers. I didn't have to have this magical superstar faith. He just wanted me to dig my heels in and trust that he was who he said he is and that he will do the work for me. Don't, don't walk away. Don't turn your back. Don't quit. I was hesitant to trust him. 
And this is the first time in my entire life of faith where I was like, I, this, this doesn't add up. I, I don't, I don't know. And I poured my frustrations in my heart out. I mean, if you, if you could read my journals, you, you would be like, that dude should not be a pastor. I mean, there was, I remember some pages where I would just literally just scribble on it in frustration. Th- those days are coming for us. Whether you have faith in God or not. Those seasons of grief and sorrow and anger and frustration and confusion. The, uh, reality is you've probably all experienced it. But if you haven't, those days are coming. And I don't say that to be a downer. I'm saying this because there is an answer for us. There is a hope for us. It will not always be that way. It does not have to stay there. And God, in his grace and love, doesn't shut the door and say, hey, come back when you've got this figured out. You're kind of messy. Like, you're, 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 kind of, you're kind of whining a little bit. You're a little bit needy and difficult. No, God opens the door and makes room for me to not be okay. But not only to not be okay, to take what's not okay from me and to throw it at him. Because it's only when I'm open and honest with what's going on, when I take it all out and give it to him, that I'm creating the space for him to come in and to heal what is hurt and broken. It's the grace of God to offer us lament so that we can heal and recover and restore. So here's the pattern that God gives us. First, we bring our open and honest complaints or grievances or frustrations to him. I mean, you've got David, a man after God's own heart, right? Wrote much of the psalm. I mean, he's like the hero. Come on, he's David. And he's sitting here and he's looking somewhere toward God and he's like, where the heck are you? Right, what, 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 what are you doing are, are you there? How long are you going to forget me? How long are you going to hide your face from me? He's pouring his heart out in honest admission. He's vulnerably opening himself up. See, our, our lament, it, the path to healing only starts when we're honest. I, I can't emphasize that enough. It is a lie straight from the pit of hell to keep us in bondage and eventually destroy us to think, I can't expose this to the light. I can't bring this part forward. If I bring this out, well then this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen. And okay, well better that happen than we lose our souls. It is a lie straight from the pit of hell to think there's no overcoming this. There's no getting past this. There's no redeeming this. Come on, we've all heard stories and seen stories of lives and testimonies that have been redeemed. That's not just for them. 
That can be for us too, but we have to be honest and vulnerable and pour our hearts out to God. We have to open it up to him. We don't know the the situation that David's encountering right now. We don't know exactly when he wrote this, but what we know is that his, his soul is depressed. He feels sorrowful all day long. Or that's a good definition of depression, right? I wake up, sorrowful. Lunchtime, sorrowful. Middle of the day, sorrowful. Go to bed, sorrow. All right, David is depressed, and, and it has something to do with an enemy being exalted over him, right? Where, where he, he's looking at someone, and, and, and they seem to be winning and thriving, and he seems to be suffering, that the opponent, the one that every, everyone knows, he, he's triumphing and David is, is, is losing. And he's asking God for help and he's getting nothing. He's calling out, God, I need, your, I need you to rescue me. And he's getting, he's getting nothing. He's hitting a wall. Lament begins when David is honest with where he is. When he presents that to God. I I don't know what that'll be for us. Perhaps it's abuse of a friend or a coworker or a family member. Maybe it's you've been praying for this promotion and this job, this fresh start, and it went to someone else. The, the bills are due, and you're like, all right, God, I need help here. I, I legitimately need help, and it, and it comes up empty. You're depressed. You're anxious. You're afraid. Your life is, is coming undone, and, and you're calling out for help, and nothing's happening. You get a diagnosis that rocks your world. A sickness, a disease, something that they say there's no cure for. Your marriage is barely hanging on. Your, your kids are, who knows? I, I, the situation is gonna look different and, and God doesn't dismiss that. He's not, he's not looking away from that. In fact, he's, he's inviting you to bring that to him. Even when your frustration is maybe now with him. Your doubt is perhaps towards him. God's not asking you, he's not, he's not telling you to stuff it in and figure it out, he's inviting you to bring it to him. That's where lament, that's where healing, that's where freedom begins. what happens a lot of times for us as humans is we can respond in potentially one of two other ways. One, when it gets hard and and sorrow comes and grievance hits our lives, we can just put up walls and become angry and just decide we're gonna power through it. And you know what? We don't need God. I don't need need God. If he's gonna gonna fail on me, forget him. 
Anyone ever felt an anger towards God? You ever heard the, the, the quote that someone say, like, I don't believe in God, but if there is one, I hate him. Right? Like, there's just this anger, this, this disappointment. I thought it would look this way. Reality is this way, and disappointment lives right there in the middle. And we're angry. Anger is a defense mechanism, right? It, 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 it keeps us from being vulnerable. It keeps us from being exposed. It keeps us from opening the soft parts of our hearts to be hurt again. And so we, we become angry and we shut down. And yes, it, it will. It will keep those from potentially hurting you again, but it's also going to stuff you into a casket of your own making and your heart will become cold and hard and callous and eventually suffocate. Anger will deceive you to think you're protecting yourself, but you're actually killing yourself from the inside. And that's one way we tend to respond when life gets hard. We just get angry because we don't want to feel. I don't want to deal with this. Another way we tend to, to deal with it is just running out the back door. We, we just try to avoid it. We try to stick our head in the sand Act like everything's fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right? Is that not the most common? Hey, how's it going? Good? If not busy, it's good. Right? It's one or the other. I'm just busy right now. All right. But how are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right? We just try to over-spiritualize it. Come on, brother. The Lord's working good things. Right? God loves me. God loves you. It's going to be okay. Or we just try to over-spiritualize and deny the fact that our world is crumbling, that we're angry towards God, we're angry towards people, right? That we're, we're frustrated and confused and doubting, and we just try to deny it. Everything's good. Both of those routes will never find true healing. Both of those routes will never lead us to true recovery and freedom and restoration, the only way to get where we want to get when life gets hard, and there's no way to avoid that life is going to get hard for all of us. Don't think that you're special. You're like, man, my life is super hard. Well, so, so is theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs. Their circumstances look different, right? We're not special. Don't think that we're going to avoid it. The only way to get through it is to lament is to grieve, is to feel, and God invites us to do that with him because he is the ultimate healer. He is the one that will actually bring us to a place of thriving. And the great thing about God, like, I don't know, I got, I got so frustrated, right? I just kept saying, it shouldn't be like this. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be dealing with this. Okay, I don't know if this is accurate or not. It's just something that came in my head. Pride's favorite word is Should. Oh, that hit. Okay. All right. I've never tested that one before, right? I was just, people are like, amen. Mm -hmm. Pride's favorite word is should. Because you know what we mean? When we say should, I should or shouldn't, we think we know best. Or he, or should, right? You know, it's like, life shouldn't be this. It says who? Right? Like, what, we think we're immune? We think we're entitled to a good life. We think that, that, that the mess isn't going to hit us. You should be past this. Well, we think we know what's best for us. Yeah. yeah. 
that pride's favorite word is should. Right? It's, it's, where was I going now? Man, you know, I got off on a, t- a tangent there, right? Come on. Lament. We're talking about lament, right? It, it's, it's going to come for us. Oh, oh God, I've got it right. Here we go. Here we go. So, so we think, man, like, I, I shouldn't be dealing with, with this, whatever it is. And that's just not reality, right? We're, we're going to have to go through it, whatever it is for you, at whatever point of life that is for you. We're going to have to go through it if we want to truly heal and thrive. The great thing about God is that that's not a wasted time. He's actually going to redeem that and use those times that we, we think we shouldn't have to go through. If we let him, he'll actually leverage those for better than we were, for, for, for good. He tells us that God, what the enemy meant for evil, God intends for good. Right? He's not just trying to heal us to get us back to neutral. He actually wants to take that and leverage it and redeem it for good. Right? So the devil's like, ha, 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 we got and, and, and God's like, well, thanks for the building blocks, right? Like, thanks for the ammunition. You know, he wants to leverage that for good in our lives. The grace of God is, is that he's not going to waste our suffering. He's not going to waste our lamenting. He'll actually use it for good if we let him. We have to open our hearts up and honestly and fully and openly lament toward God. Pour our hearts out. Talk to him. And then what? Consider and answer me, he says. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the death, the sleep of death, lest my enemy says I prevail, lest my foes rejoice. Right, he he first complains to God, pours his heart out in frustration. What the heck, man? What are you doing? Where are you? <sighs> Will you please do something here? That's where lament turns to worship. Where you don't just become hardened and cynical towards someone, but you then drop your defenses and still lean into and depend on and ask God to step in and help. See, God invites us to pour our hearts out. God invites us to lament toward him, but God then also asks us to continue to look to him for the answer. That when we pour out our frustration, what we then put back in is not lies or, or, or some other worldly mantra for how we can get by, but what we put in is dependence on God. What we put in is truth. That is the formula for how we heal and recover through anything. We grieve it, we lament, we pour it out to God, and then we turn to him still and ask him to replace it and to fill us and to heal us and to do what he'd obviously been asking God to do. He continues to depend and trust in God and to ask God. If all you do is the first part, pour your complaints out and pour your grievance out, but then you never soften your heart and ask for help, you're just gonna become a cynical person. Right? If you've ever met someone, if you've ever been someone, that your habit is just to blame and point fingers and be grumpy, odds are there was a point where you didn't deal with an issue. You, you just... Try to deflect and pour out anger and hostility. Right? So God's saying, come on, pour it out. I can take it. I can heal. And then turn to me and ask for my help. Continue to ask for my help. Continue to ask for my hope and my deliverance. What do we ask for? I mean, he's, he's asking, man, turn it around, God. 
take away my depression, light up my eyes and my soul. And maybe we, we ask for God to, to bring healing. We ask for God to bring friends, to, to restore the loneliness with community. We ask for God to bring provision. We, we ask for God to bring more of his presence. Have you ever found yourself like feeling like you can't ask God for something? Embarrassed or like this is silly or, you know, like, come on, you don't ask God for, for that. Here, if God is really who he says, he knows it anyways, <laughs> right? He knows it. He's asking us to pour our heart out to him so that he can shape us and transform our hearts and make us more like him. Sometimes, right, we pray and we ask for things and they're not, they're not godly. Right? They're, they're, they're not, God, will you smite my cubicle mate? Like, will you... <sighs> just a small smite? Just a small... You don't have to kill him, God. But maybe just like an extended injury leave, you know? Right? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're having those thoughts, right? God knows them anyways. Right? God's not like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Right? He knows, he sees. But what we're doing is we're taking that to him and as we open our hearts up and invite him in, he's going to change our prayers. He's going to transform us, God. He's, he's going to start showing us rather than this like anger where I'd like to you know, just kneecap them. Right? He's going to like, start showing compassion and, and allowing us to see perhaps why our cubicle mates is so cranky. It, it's because he or she goes home and, and has to care for his aging mom and he's exhausted, right? Like we'll start to see differently as we open our hearts up honestly and God refills us. So just ask, just talk to God honestly, right? If you've ever been to therapy, this is just a therapy session. They get their, their material from God. Right? Right, therapist? Come on. Like, he's the one that designed us. He's the one that designed our brains and, and bodies. We're not creating anything new here. This is all God's design. And so we ask God. We pour our hearts out. We ask him. But now here's the thing. Why would you ask God if you feel like he's abandoned you? Right? Why would David say, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? Hey, God, will you do something here? Right? Will you please step in? Why? Like it seems almost psychotic, yeah? Shake your fist with one hand, take a breath. All right, God, I need your help. Why would you and I do that? Because of who God is and what he has already done to prove his love for us. Right, this is the anchor for our biblical lament is choosing to trust in who God is and what he has already proven to us. That's what David does, right? It, almost every lament in the Psalms and in the book of Lamentations, do you know there's over 50 Psalms are laments? That's over a third of the entire book of Psalms. Right? God means for us to learn something in this. And, and virtually everyone has this, this transition word, but, yet, however, nevertheless. 
right? Life is chaotic and I'm frustrated and I'm pouring my heart out and, and everything in me wants to say, screw it and I'm done and walk away, but dadgummit, I will not. I will dig my heels in and I will be resolved to place my trust in the God whom has proven himself and will prove himself again. This is the anchor for lament. As we look to the promises of God, of who he says he is, we look to what he's done and we trust in what he says he will do. Even when in the moment, none of it makes sense. We choose to trust in God. We choose to rest in him. We choose to believe in him, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice. That's a choice. I will rejoice in your salvation because you have already dealt, dealt bountifully with me. David's looking back to the Israelites being rescued from Egypt. He's looking back to God bringing them into the promised land. He's perhaps thinking back to the runt of himself charging after Goliath and God rescuing him. He's, he's, he's looking and saying, God, you've already dealt so bountifully with me. Yes, my life is chaotic right now, but I won't forget what you've done and I will trust in what you promise you will do. I will not quit. I will not walk away. He pours his heart out. He complains to God. He doesn't hold back. And then he, he turns to him in dependence and he asks, God, help me. And it's all anchored to who God says he is and what he's done. For us, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look to Jesus, the one who has already come, the one who has already died, the one who has risen so that we can have life. Jesus is our anchor. He is where we find our hope. He is who we turn to and we point to and we say, that's how I know. When I was struggling and questioning my faith and doubting God and confused, I, I was just presented with, well, I, got, I have to do something with Jesus. If I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna walk away, if I'm gonna say like, okay, I don't believe in God, okay, I have to do something with the person, Jesus. I can't deny that he came. I, I, like, no one denies that. I can't deny that he was killed on a Roman cross. So then I gotta look to the resurrection. And, well, no one's ever found his body, right? There's 500 eyewitnesses. I, I, I'm gonna have to deny that Jesus rose from the dead if I'm gonna stay here and walk away from my faith in God. And I, I just, I can't do that. We look to Jesus as our hope. If, if you don't wanna trust God and follow him, you have to do something with Jesus. You have to give account for the man that showed up and said, I'm God in the flesh and performed these miracles as signs for us to trust and gave himself up on a cross. You have to do something with him. And then we have to ask, well, do we trust the resurrection? Because if all that happened, then Jesus is who he says he is. He is God and he has come to save us from our sins and he has come to bring us salvation. And so for me, when I was in the middle of my, I, I just, I was like, I can't, I can't walk away. 
because I can't deny Jesus. That is what anchored me and kept me. And I don't know when the lights came back on. I, it wasn't a moment. It wasn't overnight, right? It was a, it was a journey and it was a progression, but I don't know, four and a half, five years later, whatever it is now, I, I can tell you, okay, he has brought me to the other side. There wasn't anything magical that I did. Matter of fact, I would say it was lackluster, right? I, I would say, look, he has done what he said he would do. That he is my refuge and strength. That he is my hope and my deliverer. We look to Jesus. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right, that's the steadfast love that we can trust in. God's already proven his love for you. God's already proven the, the lengths of which he'll go for you. And so if we want to quit on God in the middle of the storm, we have to look to the cross and say, oh, no, that's not, that's not an evidence of love. In his resurrection, he gives us new life. If Jesus can rise from the dead, then nothing's too difficult. His word is true. I can lean into him. He's already dealt bountifully with us. Ephesians 1 says that for anyone who is in Christ, meaning you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that God has given us with him all the blessings in the heavenly places. It, it, it's already ours in Jesus. He's given us his spirit to know him and to endure and to continue. So we look to his promises. We trust in his promises. The grace of God is that he knows life is gonna be hard. He knows that we live in a broken world around broken people as a broken person and that sometimes life is gonna get messy but he invites us, he makes room for us to come as we are and to throw our complaints to him, our grievances, our frustrations, our doubts, we don't have to hold back but then to replace them with the truth of who he is. Listen to me because this is how we find healing and freedom and we will all go through this. And I actually do love you so much that I want you to thrive through this. This is how we do it. We pour our hearts out to him. And we replace those complaints with the truth of who he is. And over time, it progressively transforms us and sets us free. God may do it in an instant. He might. But like I said, he's gonna use that season and so more often than not, he's going to give us that season of enduring, of being sanctified, of being shaped into the image of Jesus for our own good and the good of others. Second Corinthians 1 says that God allows us to suffer so that we can then encourage others who suffer like us. The number of times uh, Stephanie and I have been able to to tell people, yeah, life was 
a train wreck for a while. But God's got us through. He's good. We've been able to use that stretch and that season for good. Pour your heart out to him, y'all. But then choose to trust him. Choose to remain. Don't quit. Ask him to help you. He will. Horatio Spafford, um, if you've heard of his story, uh, knew a little bit about life's uh, sorrows and sufferings. Uh, In 1871, he was a successful uh, businessman in Chicago, uh, and there was a a massive fire that destroyed uh, his work, really really all of his his fortune and his wealth, and um, he was going to have to rebuild from the ground up. And um, also around the same time, he had a son that died of scarlet fever. And so he and his wife and his four daughters were like, we got to get away for a minute. We got to breathe. Right? And so uh, they decided to travel to Europe. And so Horatio had to finish up some things. And so his wife and his four daughters got on a boat and headed towards Europe. And he would go join them uh, in a couple weeks. At some point during that journey, he got uh, a message that said that the boat his wife and daughters were on uh, had had an accident in the Atlantic and sunk, and all four of his daughters drowned. It was just his wife who survived. So now Horatio, that that is the earth giving way beneath your feet. That, That is when the walls of your life, they don't just crumble, they're just gone. And so he, he gets in a boat to go and, and join his wife because <laughs> how do you just leave your wife there? And during that journey, while in the Atlantic, sailing over the oceanic coffin of his daughters, he writes what is today one of the still most famous hymns we've ever seen, ever sung, which is, It Is Well. And he says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, Or when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Sorrows were, you, you, can't, you can't even compute. Rolling in. Trials have come. There's no doubt he was grieving, questioning, doubting, suffering. But the way through for him, for his good, and let's be honest, for our good, as we now sing the fruits of his suffering, he poured his heart out, and yet he anchored his life to the truth of God's love for him in Jesus. And that is what got him through. That is what brought him to the other side. That is what brought healing and recovery and freedom and restoration to his soul. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. 
but take heart. I've overcome the world. Pour your heart out to him. Don't hold back. Throw your complaints and your grievances toward him. And take a breath. Plant your feet and determine that you will trust him because he's already proven his love and that he's good for it. He will bring you through to the other side, not just to survive, but to thrive in abundant life with him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.